afternoon, gang. Hope you're all good. Hope you've had a good week. We're here. We've made it Friday, and it's Finance Friday, first Friday of the month. Especially in these weird times, we thought it was smart for us to get an actual expert in some finance and some numbers and trying to help you with some clinic and business decisions and and some of the complexities that this year has sprung upon us means that it's smart for you to get literate and numerate within the finance game. And I know no one better than Obi-San to help us through that together. And so he's joining us again. If you didn't catch his last episode, that was last month, you'll find that uh, on our, wherever you come to listen to this, um, including on podcasts, etc. I've told you before, if uh, you feel that wherever you've stumbled across it isn't optimal for you, then you will find one that is. Um, it's across all social media channels, including podcasts as audio format. And so thanks for joining us. Do let me know if you can hear me okay. You know how paranoid I am at that. I promise you that it's not many more episodes before I stop asking that question. But as long as you still indulge me for a bit whilst the signal's still a bit glitchy, um, we're going to treat ourselves at Christmas for even stronger internet signals so that you get fewer glitches that you might have been experiencing on chewing it over. Um, but without further ado, let me see if I can slide in Obi. Let's hide that frame and press this button. And hopefully, Obi, can you hear me all right? Hi, yeah. Hi, everyone. Great. Hi, Jack. Lovely. We've had some great questions in then, um, partly off the back of last show, but also um, when, I've, when I've gone out to, say, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, saying that you were coming back on the show, um, people were asking some, some good stuff. So I sent them over to you, and you've teased out a few themes I know one of the things we were going to start with, a question that came in from Fiona, she was asking in a little bit about sort of break-even points and things like that. So can we start there, perhaps? Yeah, yeah. So thanks, and hello, everybody. It's good to be to be back again. Some great questions, by the way, came in. There was so many that I, if we don't get a chance uh, to cover them all over the next 25 minutes or so, then um, uh, I'll post some uh, answers on the Physiomatters uh, uh, website, or um, if people just, or you can just email me, and I'll happily answer any of the questions we can't cover. So if that's all right. So yeah. So um, if I, I think some of the questions that came across was about how do you calculate break even? How do you measure profitability? Um, what are the important uh, uh, indicators to measure to tell the health of your business and so forth. So I thought I'd just cover those briefly. Mm -hmm. Some questions came in about forecasting as well. I thought there were some really good questions, actually. Some people are thinking about this, and I think you're on the right track. So let's start with just break even. It's a really good question. So break even isn't just about you know a calculation. What it really does is tells you exactly uh, at what point your business becomes profitable. You can actually apply it to individual clinics, individual products to make decisions about where you spend more of your effort and where you spend less. Effort. It's a really, really good concept rather than just a financial number. It tells you a lot about how to think about your business and where to go from that. So let's talk about break-even. Very, very briefly, break-even really is just means uh, the definition is it's that it's it's the point at which whether you're a startup business or even an established business, you might be you know launching a new product, you're going to market. It's when your total revenue, your total sales become equal to your total cost. In other words, at that point, you've stopped losing money. Um, and that's sort of investment, right? So obviously every business needs to reach that as quickly as possible, whether it's a startup business or even if it's established and it's launching into a new market or it's trying to reinvigorate itself, it's understanding at what point does that happen. So there's ways of calculating it. Now there is a couple of things really important to understand in this. So I think everybody clearly understands sales and you know how you price and 
what, what the sale price looks like. But on the costs, there are two things to understand when you think about break-even, very, very important. I'll introduce to you a concept called, it's a concept of profit, which is called contribution, contribution profit. What that means is, uh, when you're running a business, what you have is two types of costs. You have what's called fixed costs, which I think you'll all be familiar with. Those are things that don't change. You know, your rent and rates, your staff salaries every month, that is a pretty much a fixed cost. Every month, you know, that's the number that's going to go out every month. Yeah. I know you can vary that sometimes, but usually they are pretty fixed and, and, and static and they stay the same unless you do something about them. The other part of the costs that you incur when you're selling things are something called variable costs. In other words, if you if, only if you sell something, will you incur the cost? Otherwise, you won't incur it. So you're, you're running a clinic. There are costs of running that clinic, whether you've hired that clinic. I mean, it could be if you're already paying rent, that's a fixed cost. But if you've hired a clinic, you've brought in self-employed people to therapists to run it. That is a variable cost. If you don't run the clinic, you don't incur the cost. If you run the clinic, you incur the cost. So that's a variable cost. That's important. Now, the contribution profit is not the same as a net profit. What it means is, what is the profit I make per unit of what I sell? What is the profit I make per clinic? So if I do a clinic, what's the profit from that clinic? It's got nothing to do with your fixed costs yet, remember. Only the costs directly associated with running that clinic. And that gives you your profit per sale of that clinic. And that's the critical thing. So your sale, your selling price, less your variable cost of running that clinic, which is whether people or rent, which is variable, gives you a profit margin. That contribution profit is then the, 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 the key thing you use to decide my break-even point. In other words, now that every time you're selling a clinic, you know you're making a profit, how many of those do you need to sell to cover your fixed costs? Right. Right? Remember, your fixed costs are the same. They're not going to change. But the more you sell of this, you're going to make a profit each time you sell it. How many do you need to sell to cover your fixed costs? Take an example. Very simple, just for, 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 for simplicity, very, very simple example. Let's say we sell a clinic at £200, and it costs us £100 to run that clinic, which is variable. If we run it, we incur it. If we don't, we don't. So we make a contribution profit of £100 per clinic that we sell, you know, whatever the procedure is we're doing. And then consider that to run the rest of the business, our fixed costs are £1,000 per month or £10,000 per month, say for argument's sake. So how many of those clinics do I need to sell to cover the fixed costs of £10,000? Well, if I'm making a profit of £100, and I've got £10,000 to cover, you divide 10000 by 100, you get 100. You've got to sell 100 clinics at that price that you're selling at and at the cost you're incurring to run that clinic. At 100 clinics, you're broken even. Mm. In other words, the real benefit of knowing that is you can now decide Right, how long is it going to take you to get there? You know, that means how much cash do I need to invest in the business before I actually get there? That's the investment. And then it tells you every one that I've sold beyond that, so 100 clinics to break even, then everyone beyond that, 101, 102 is profit. I'm making 100 pounds clear profit every time after that. Now I'm into profit. And so again, it tells you how long is it going to take me to recoup my initial investment back? 
and how much money then can am I going to make going forward and how profitable I'm going to be. Just as a as a bit of a translation piece then, because obviously the unit the unit there can vary um, because it, you know it doesn't matter as much. It could be on an appointment basis and an hour's rate. In this instance, talking of, of of a clinic unit, it doesn't really matter as to how how split down that is. You just need to be consistent. Exactly. I mean, you could be a mix of services you are selling. You know, you could say, right, in that mix, I'm going to look at one unit of that mix, you know, mm-hmm. two clinics there, three clinics there. I sell yeah. that as a package every time. Sure. One unit, what are the direct costs, profit? Does it cover my fixed costs? Yeah. Done. Because often people, uh, yeah, often, I mean, the unit's fine because often people describe like, a clinic session might be a morning a typical morning which is a certain amount of hours and then if if say uh full or if say a typically 80 percent or whatever of that we know those rates as long as you're consistent with that unit then it doesn't matter but you've just got to try and work that out exactly and it also gives you a power number then you know once you know the number of clinics you need to sell multiply by the price and say well this is the amount of revenue i need to make and then i'm going to break even but then strategically what it also allows you to do, you see, right. really, really importantly, and that leads to the other questions that, we, that we've had as well. Before is, we go there, I, though, because I, I don't want to, sorry to cut you off, but it's just I know that there is an area that myself and, and plenty of others uh, uh, make the mistake of when it comes to costs and when they are looking at break-even. It, it's, uh, <clears throat> it's the fact that they're not, fa- how does a clinic owner typically appropriately factor in their time? Because... Otherwise, yeah. they reach, they, they, they consider themselves to reach break even because they're not costing themselves inappropriately or they're on a nominal base salary on a PAYE, yeah. but they then pay themselves, be that in dividends or other expenses, et cetera. So, what, what's your advice there as to how to make sure you're not artificially uh, deflating your, your break even point? Yeah, it's a good question. So, I think so. The way to do this is so if you are, so your time is spent on various different matters. So, just like, so what you've got to do is essentially decide how much time you're spending in, on different activities. It's a bit like doing a timesheet. Right. And I do, so what I do, I mean, that's I'm a consultant, and you know, so you guys are clinic owners, you have uh, direct clinical facing hours, then you have um, admin hours you do, you have management hours you you do and in a typical day any of your clinic time should be allocated to that clinic so i'll take my costs so we take your cost look at the number of how you spread your time and then allocate your time and what you cost the business proportionately to the time you spend on in the areas you're working on right okay no that makes sense um, it's just Business owners are naturally going to donate, to, for want of a better word, some of their time to operating strategies, etc., that might not be directly in that moment compensatable by the business. And, and so that, that's where I was meaning that sometimes people would get to a break-even point, but that's because they're sort of sweating it on their own net gain from that business. You know, it's like that they, they th- the business breaks even, but fundamentally you've got an artificially deflated sense of what you want to be or what would satisfy you on how much time or effort or risk you've you've spent on it so yeah that may go on no it depends on on, on where you are in in your business of course sweat equity uh jack is a, is a name that a lot of us use or growing businesses but there comes a point you're absolutely right when uh you're saying for the time i spent my time is money and it costs sure. and so charge the business that and reflect that in your prices so that that's the return you're getting. If you don't charge your time to it, then you're right. It's sweat equity that you are building into the business to develop it. Mm. 
Yeah, I, I think I, I definitely. Uh, I feel like that's that's something that is useful <laughs> answer because you got you know better better to just be accurate on that um, from the off and then chase that appropriate number rather than artificially making that break-even point lower and it feeling like you then, um, you know, it, it sort of distracts a little bit, doesn't it? Um, it's maybe, really so you were about to... It's a really good point, but it might just very briefly, may just pick on that that people may find that can relate to that. So whilst, you know, we talk about financial, but actually the business decision behind it, it does force you to say, so what should be my price points? How do yeah. I compare against my competition? And yeah. if I am going to be too expensive when I've done all that, you know, what is going to be my marketing strategy? Um, so you, you know, it really does allow you to start thinking about very carefully when you understand the real costs of running something and the real profitability of running. It allows you to start looking at your pricing strategy, the competition around you, and seeing which, which areas of the business are making money and which are not, and adjusting your efforts accordingly. Brilliant. So before I held us up with that sub question, could we move you where you were going, I suspect, which we was about about then the forecasting, which we got a number of questions about, um, including yeah. including how that looks at, uh, you know, with, with regards to the inconsistencies regarding adaptation to business plans, etc., because of the circumstances we find ourselves in that, that, that yeah. kind of where a lot of the questions link those two things, really. Yeah, and just very quickly, I think there was some more questions around that, which actually link, link into forecasting. And it was things like, what does gross profit mean? And what does net profit mean? What are the different profit measures and so forth? Yeah. Uh, I don't know whether you want to be very quickly covered. No, you can do that. Yeah, cover that first. And into forecasting as well. So, you know, the different profit measures that you look at are things like net profit, gross profit. Gross profit really means at, at that, you know, the direct costs, sales less your direct cost a bit like the contribution profit that we talked about without looking at the overheads uh, and it's the margin you're making the percentage margin you're making which means you know the uh, gross profit essentially divided by your sales is the percentage that you're making and net profit is after you've taken all your costs out including your overhead cost which is the net profit at the end that you're looking at um, so i think that's that, that's the end and, and both are important because you know at the gross profit level if you're not making money there you're never going to make money you're never going to break even in the first place. And that profit, of course, you've got to cover all your other costs. So there's things like that. And I think the important things to measure in looking at the health of your business are absolutely profitability. So these are some of the ratios we've talked about. Break even, cash flow, which is what we've talked about, forecasting, which is what we're coming to, and liquidity ratios, which are actually like forecasting ratios, you know, and they also look at how much debtors and creditors you've got in the business stuck and how you're releasing them, which all comes into cash flow. Hmm. So shall we move on to forecasting then? So I think some of the yeah. forecasting were um, the inconsistency. I think that that's the thing that that people were classically bothered about was that forecasting something that they can sort of conceive of in theory, but then actually because of the disruption and the fact that there seems yeah. to be such unpredictable is it unpredictability? I'm, I'm missing my yeah. words here, but that yeah. that is bothering people. Yeah, I think you know again. So, the, so I think the, the forecasting is, it depends on what assumptions you're making underneath that. Essentially a forecast is only as good as the assumptions you're basing it on. Um, and you're right. Um, and your experience, the historically what's happened, where is it going forward? And you're right, given what's happened recently, that has affected a lot of things. For example, costs are up because, you know, because the compliance issues people have to do and capacity is down. Turnaround times are longer, capacity is down. 
So that seems to suggest that productivity is lower because of it. So what are the responses to that? How do you stay on your business plan, if you have one, of what you want to earn and how do you want to earn it? There are a number of things of how you can start looking at this, which all reflects in forecasting. And like I said, I think the way to do this always is to look at your cash flow first. And the reason is cash flow will give you your immediate, your immediate uh, handle on what's happening with the business. How, you know, where is it going? How much cash is it burning? How much do you need to, 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 to stay afloat if things are getting more difficult? Uh, and how much time you've got to adjust things or how much profits you're making. Underneath cash, of course, there are two things, activity and your profits. Profits are a function of sales and costs. So your activity, the number of clinics you're selling, the number of people you're employing, you know, at the end of the day, finance is simply a yardstick of measurement of actually what's happening underneath in the business. And the KPIs underneath the business are the basis of doing the forecasts. So I would never do a financial forecast without looking at the business fundamentals of where is my activity coming from? Where are my most profitable customers? Where is the big volume? Where is less volume? Where is it more difficult to get business out of? How quickly? What's my productivity? So how long does it, how many clinics can I run now with all these restrictions? What did I use to run? Mm. So for, let's take an example. How would I forecast my revenues and my profits going forward before the lockdown happened to where we are now. So let's say I was running, I don't know, 100 clinics before in a period of, in a, in a, in a week. And now I now can only run 80. I'm 20% down on those clinics because that's all I can do. Now, I'm going to sit back and think about what's the impact of that on my business. If I forecast that, first of all, and see, well, I've still got enough profits to be able to survive this. It's okay. So I'm not in real trouble, but it's not good. I'm making less than I was before. You've got time to adjust. If it shows that you're suddenly now in losses, you've got to react a lot, lot more quicker than that. So that's the reason it's so important to do cash because it immediately tells you the urgency with which you need to react. And then you get into planning. So let's just say how we plan that. But, you know, we say, well, we've lost 20%. We need to get back up to 100, maybe go beyond that now. And then you've got to start looking at, well, what is my um, capacity in my clinics? How can I increase my capacity? A number of ways you can do that, as you know. And that's what I mean. Before you talk about the numbers, you've got to understand how your business runs and what you can do. So how do I increase my capacity? number of ways you could do it. One could be either increase productivity. Can you fit more clinics in at the same time? The answer is probably no, hmm. uh, unless, you know, but in hospitals a lot of time when I work, when we look at peer-to-peer -peer comparisons, I do find that some clinicians are faster than others. It's not about quick treating your patients quickly. They're just faster than others. Okay. So sometimes you look at that, but you may not want to do that. So how do you increase, if you think that you're working at the right pace and doing it appropriately for your patients, then it's a question of how do I increase my capacity? Well, you can go and hire more space. You can increase the length of hours you do. Now, the question is that increases costs as well. So this is where our concept of break-even comes in again. If you increase capacity, you've got to decide is it going to be profitable to increase that capacity. And to do that, remember, if you go back to the previous discussion, you look at what is the increase in my costs? How many of these units do I need to sell to break even and on profit making? And if the answer is we are making a con positive contribution by running extra clinics and capacity, it's worth doing. Do more of those, bring it. So go and hire more clinics so long as you sell them profitably. And, and so just to, just to recap on that then, the, the, 
when it comes to forecasting as a priority look at the look at the you know forecast forecasting where your business is coming from the specific delineations between products and projects and things yep. like that yeah and then map the financials onto that rather than working backwards from yep. the absolutely because because that's the thing that that sometimes people i know that um maybe even people expect from say someone in the finance game or accountants have even advised sometimes that they always want to work back from the raw numbers, especially on something that's established. Whereas you're suggesting, no, get stuck into the actual products, the projects, the, the, and and know your costs associated to that to then work up towards the actual money. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And this was our first session. If people, those people that were attended the last session was exactly what's that. You know your business. If the numbers don't corroborate the story you you know about your business. Then look at the numbers again. Or sometimes the numbers can be good to challenge you. Because the other challenge I'll give you is you might be know your business, but if you do, if you realise that okay, I, I I can't buy more clicks or whatever the reason is, then look at your pricing strategy. Look at your yeah. prices. And to do your look at your prices, you've got to understand your position, competitive position in the market. Who are you competing against? Yeah. If you're competing on price. I would argue that's a hard place to be. Sure. You have to always differentiate on quality. And so you've got to look at your marketing. And when I do my business growth advice, apart from my finance advice, that's what I, I say to people you need to look at. Never compete on price. If that's what you're doing, it's, it's a tough one to be. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. it's just always quality. And then you can price accordingly. And that's it. And then you've got to test that water and yeah. work out as to whether or not, you know, how, how much perspective and potential business might you lose uh, or existing business might you lose if you, if you overhike. But then, yeah. you know, generally that's a, that's definitely one for another day. We'll flag it. It is another day. Unless uh, what you're going for is market share and you can afford to do it, then you compete in price and take you know, get more market share. In, in, our, in this game, it's unlikely that you, you're going to, you know, there's definitely a, a localized ceiling to some extent to, yeah. to that with what we're talking about relative to, you know, other, other businesses. So um, yeah. for those that are tuning in live, please make sure you get your questions in. I know we've only got about 10 minutes left and we, 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 I know which direction I want to try and take things. So if you've got some questions that are live, we might not get to them all, but please do post on them so we can react to them or at least fold them into future conversations, including some stuff that we'll be doing on Physio Matters Plus, as Obi said, and even uh, some access that we can get you to to Obi for, 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 for private conversations. There were some questions that came in that were really interesting for Martin and, and Annie. We're asking about commercial mortgage and loan opportunities yeah. to invest. And, th- and that that seems to be one that where people are, because of the uncertainty that, that makes making people especially <laughs> nervous. And I think that the, the, the everyone's got variable dispositions in, in their business practices for that and how instinctively they feel like they want to gamble or not. Yeah. But at this time, that makes people especially nervous. So what's your key advice with regards to that sort of stuff? Yeah, I think commercial mortgages are good to get if your business is growing and you can raise a commercial mortgage. Great. Now, I think, I don't know whether the question was where can you raise or what sort of terms can you raise commercial mortgages on? Uh, if it is, then there are loads of, lots of places you can uh, raise. I mean, lots of banks do it. There are specialist banks, high street banks. They all do them commercial mortgages it can be at a reasonably good rate. It depends on the strength of the business and strength of the business plan that you've got. Um, I think generally anything up to around 50,000, even, even 100,000, it can be unsecured. Usually commercial mortgages are for sums 
more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, although they all say they started around 50, 30 to 50,000 pounds and you can go up, but why go to a commercial mortgage if that's all you need? So they've got bigger sums of money than that. Um, and this, I mean, again, rates will vary depending on the, how strong the business is. Usually, what's, they will give you what's called um, LTV, um, uh, loan to value, which, which actually means what's the deposit you'll have to put up. It's usually around 75, 80% is what they'll go. So you don't might have to put up about 25% of it. Um, and there are ways you could raise that differently if you don't have it or against something else. Uh, often they'll take a security, although the property itself will be the security that they take. Um, um, and you know, choosing the right lender is important as well, and what rates they're offering. Um, but yeah, I think you will find currently a lot of banks are probably struggling to do that because of the BBL and C bills is what they are prioritizing. So you might find some delays in banks uh, uh, offering that at the moment. Um, the other bit that's important to remember here, I would say, is if you are taking commercial, if you're buying property to do business on. I would separate the property purchase into a separate company, assuming you're running a limited company, uh, to the clinic activity itself. Separate the two, and that's to manage your risk, uh, and also for tax reasons, which we don't have time to go into. Okay. Well, what, what I wonder about that's not, not necessarily associated to that question, uh, but, I, but certainly one that emerges from me when I think about it, is imagine someone's in that situation, say there's an established business in which they're then looking for a, a, a further a further clinic um or in, in this environment is there anything in the current macroeconomics or the or the likelihood of, of of where we find ourselves as a as a nation and world that would indicate as to whether it's wise to go down that route with regards to say purchase and mortgage versus leasing and and, and what 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 sort of um influences do you feel or where do you think the land lies with that so again, great question. I think the really important thing here to do is to understand your market. Right. If you have, uh, uh, if you really think there is growth in that market, that by buying, uh, uh, by, by having a clinic in an area, you are going to capture a lot of business. Then do your forecast, do your business plan, do your forecast, work it out, understand how much business I'm going to get, how long is it going to take to get me, what are the assumptions I'm making. So my marketing cost has got hiring people, recruiting, so forth and so forth. How busy is my clinic going to be? How quickly will I break even? And when would I start making profit? If you can answer this, besides, but when you actually go for these loans, that's you'll be asked for that anyway. Sure. Um, so if you've done your homework and you've really understood the market and the business, how you are getting out there and capturing that market, and your business, then the answer comes out of that. Whether you should buy or lease, frankly, I think buying has a lot of advantages, especially if you can raise a commercial mortgage and it is used for security so long as you separate it from the business itself. That has a lot of advantages. I mean, even leasing is is viable, but I think you, you go through a similar process in terms of needing security and so forth. It just seems that, that in uncertain times, and I, I'm projecting this opinion now, maybe others don't share it, and I'm sure they'll tell me um, if they don't, but it's just that in these uncertain times, it feels like one of the ways to err on the side of caution is to take not just a lease rather than a purchase, but also to try and look for ones that are shorter term or have break clauses, etc. that people want to dip their toe in. Yeah. I understand that instinct. Yeah. However, it could well be, from what I'm gathering from you, that that is probably, if you forecast it properly and it looks good, then you may be being overcautious and then potentially compromising the project. 
It could be. I mean, I, I think, you, you know, again, like I said, you know, actually buying it means you can really sweat the asset if you want. You've got it. There may be value in the property itself and so forth. So you've just got to know what you're doing. But you're right. If you're not sure, then you can just rent it. It will cost more on a monthly basis, but at least your risk is lower. And then at some other point, you can decide to buy. So if you're not sure, well, the way to do it probably is to start with a short-term lease or even rent for three months, six months, and see whether your business plan actually works out the way you thought it would, and then buy it. Does that risk then inflate in its price? If you've proved concept in a unit, say it's an empty unit, it's been empty four or five years, it's got a certain price on its purchase, you go yeah. in and rent it for a period of time, prove concept to the landlord, yeah. is there a risk that they then are going to realize that well you've you've, you've uh, or can I, you secure what, that i that's not what i'm seeing i think a lot of labs are actually being quite they really want you to stay and want you to be successful so if you make a success of it they'll want you to stay and that's a good negotiation is the key here go in strike a bloody good deal with the landlord and look ahead when striking that deal lock them in give yourself break clauses i think there's a lot of them willing to negotiate but if then you went to them to buy it that's yeah. what I'm meaning. So I'm meaning yeah. that if I'm meaning if you were leasing it, you decided to err on the side of caution, leased yeah. it, then went to them at six months and said, right, I'm interested in buying. Have yeah. you not? Is there not then a risk of them saying, well, there's actually more value to this property than I even realised because of well, how well you're trading? Does yeah, that... well, I think you would have done a really, uh, uh, you would have done a, what I would call a weak negotiation if you let that happen okay. because you, them having you there, one not only paying you rent but actually. Uh, wanting to buy the property is better than having a void period, then going out trying to sell it to somebody else and not do, not, not being able to sell it for the price they want. I, I, I would say you'd be in a strong position. Yeah, okay. No, that's good. I'm glad to, I'm glad to hear it. Well, we're out of time, Obi, I'm afraid, uh, but there's certainly plenty more for us to get stuck into, which is why we're trying to see if there's a, a continued interest in this as a monthly slot. Um, yeah. But for those that, those that want to get older, you, we obviously are describing some things that we're going to answer some more of the questions into Physio Matters Plus. For those that are members, uh, obviously they can access that. If you're not yet, so it's only £5 a month. And we're posting lots of stuff in there. We're about to kick it on another gear. We've now got all the Therapy Live and Therapy Live sport content from, from all shows uh, in there already now. We've just had a, I got a note this morning saying that's all up to date, which means we're about to kick on um, and get all the, uh, a load of new content in there, which is going to be basically our evaluation exercise for the year. So we're going to be getting recommendations for guests and speakers and themes and things like that for both podcasts and therapy live events so if you're not already a member it's only five pound a month no contract and so please do join us including some stuff here uh what we're talking about that obi's going to be able to add some extras also if you're interested in taking these things further or you want some um understanding and for your financial uh, understanding and education to be better then get in touch and we'll get get you in touch with obi to sort of help flesh that out a little bit and see how we can help with your business needs but thanks as ever obi it's been brilliant and, and fascinating i've made some notes again myself that i'll be picking your brain up on after this uh, but yeah I, I really appreciate it thank you good to see you okay guys so last thing last thing from me then just before we go is to say that uh, as as ever we're uh, we're running this on a on a daily basis but we are always interested in what I might be missing, what are the hot topics that I seem to be overlooking, we're trying to make sure we're, uh, some things are pre-planned like this, but then most of the time we're reacting on what might be hot and what might be me trying to keep my finger on the pulse on social media, but please do let me know if you feel ugly, especially there must be some blind spots uh, that I'm, and, and I definitely don't want to be missing them, and if I am, it's not by design. 
So do let me know what you feel you want us to be chewing over and uh, and also not just recommending, but also trying to uh, let us know as to whether or not you might want to join us to discuss it yourself. If it means a lot to you, then don't be shy to suggest topics. It's really important that you do so. Thanks as ever, and I'll see you next week for more Chewing It Over. And have a great weekend.